Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Hoopstradamus podcast. Today it's Hamia Rain and myself, Adam Shalifu, joined by a former NBA player, Colorado Buffalo legend, Dave Harrison. Dave, how you doing, man? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Oh, of course. Happy, uh, happy to have you. And uh, you know, as I as I mentioned, Colorado Buffs legend. Uh, this this very bed is where I had the dream. Whereas I'm gonna start a podcast in the morning, you know. And so I got my roots in Boulder too. I woke up, I called Hami, I'm like, "Hey, man, Hoopsterdamus, we're gonna make it happen." <laughs> Here we are. But you you started your uh, hoops journey, uh, at least on the college level, in Boulder too. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh man, I love that school, love that city. Uh, I mean, to this day, uh, you know, men like uh, Stephen Tebow. I don't know if you go around South Town and see Tebow development everywhere. Oh but, yeah, uh, he's he's been a very big influence on my life. He's helped me out multiple times. Uh, just you know, the, the contacts I got there, the just the games I played, and I still have dreams about them. Oh, that's awesome, man. No, no, I only dream about the games we lost, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I, uh, before the pandemic hit, I was doing a lot of in-person coverage on that team, uh, writing for a website, and starting to have a lot of fun with it. And um, they got a nice program right now, man. They really do. Oh, yeah. For, I mean, when I got there, I mean, there are talks about not having a basketball program anymore and things like that. But um it's definitely turned around. I mean, Tad Boyle is an amazing coach. Uh, he's produced more pros than – I mean, the funny thing is the only two pros we had were Chauncey and I. And oh. the, the, night, the night of the Malice in the Palace would be the first time two Colorado players ever played against each other. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, talk about an overshadowed story. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, they should be interesting. Uh, they got a lot of good guys uh, coming in next year. I really like Tad as a coach. He's he's intense. Uh, but I think McKinley Wright might be there next year in the NBA. Oh, I hope so. I mean, he's very, very quality point guard, um, even though he stole Spencer's number. But uh, we, we won't talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, anyway, uh, let's get into the NBA stuff. Uh, Hami, I'm going to I'm gonna pass it over to you. I know you got some uh, questions prepared. Yeah, uh, my first question, uh, and first of all, I just want to say thank you again for taking the time and stuff like that to join us. And uh, this, is, uh, this has been very cool so far. So uh, your, your, I guess the most humbling moment you had on the court, it could be anything, anything when someone destroyed you, like someone blocked your shot or someone dunked on you or something like that. It could have been college and high school, middle school, anywhere, anywhere. I mean, there's – I played every sport. I played baseball, basketball, football, played a little bit of lacrosse. I mean, I did, I did everything I could. Um, there's so many stories. I mean, the easiest one to say is playing against Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, oh. it, it was it was the most humbling experience <laughs> of my life. But, I mean, that, that's, that's easy. Uh, I, I would say, honestly uh, – it was uh, back in high school, the uh, first time I I, I I didn't play basketball until high school. I was a football player. My dad was a professional football player, played 10 years in the NFL. And that's why, that's why I loved football. I loved the contact. I loved the physicality. I loved everything about it. And um, I was going against this guy. His name was Scott Wells. He ended up playing uh, for the uh, Green Bay Packers for a number of years. 
Uh, went to University of Tennessee. And I mean, Scott was a literal beast. And uh, we had this drill, it's called Oklahoma, where it's uh, offensive, defensive, and then you have to get rid of, shut off your blocker and tackle the running back. I was on my back eating sweat from Scott every time, every drill, over and over again. And the coach wouldn't let it go. So I would say about 15 times he put me on my back. And then finally I got low enough and I held my ground and I got my arm and tripped up the running back. And I was like, thank God. Like with that, just walking off the field was just defeating because, I mean, technically I didn't win. The kid tripped, you know, but luckily I got out of the drill. But uh, there's just so many moments, you know. If you were a competitor, uh, you kind of love those moments because it takes you to a place where you're either going to get better or you're going to quit. And my always choice was I always chose to get better. Love hearing that. Yeah. Um, so uh, w- let's let's cut to the chase. Right? The brawl. The brawl. <laughs> right? Oh, right? yeah. So we all know what happened. We all know what happened. And, you know, we'll, we'll dive into it. We'll go do it like deep dive and stuff like that. But I guess my, my first question about the brawl was what was the fir- one of the first things you remember? Uh, I think you, had, you guys have Rick Carlisle, right, is coaching then, uh, mm-hmm. the Pacers. Uh, what, what was one of the first things that you remember when he said when everyone went back to the locker room? You know, I guess I go for to finish off for the day because there was still like 30 <laughs> seconds of the game. Oh, man. Uh, the, the best thing to, to – people think that that was just a, like a random occurrence, and there was a lot of backstory behind that. Um, the year before, Tayshaun Prince blocks uh, Reggie Miller – um, Rick was coaching in Detroit. Um, we had a lot of teammates. Like, like I said, I, Chauncey was on the other team. There was just so much personal connection. Um, that spark that happened, I mean, I would say we were we lost one game before that. We didn't even practice for those other teams. We focused on that Pistons game. That's all we cared about. We were going to go out there and we wanted to crush them. Like they're, they're, that, we wanted to crush them, and, and, chance, and we yeah. did. And we did. I mean, we, yeah. we crushed them. Um, and I mean, one of the first. I mean, the thing is, it was so much chaos. The coaches were in one corner. I mean, the first thing that happened was Rick and Jermaine O'Neal once got in a fight. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that was. I mean, it was just so emotionally charged at that time. Um, but I mean, a- afterwards, um, we we. The first thing I remember is landing in Indiana, and I would say there are four or five thousand people sitting at the parking lot, honking their horns and cheering for us. And I was like, "Wow, I love this place." <laughs> that that's wild. Like that's like that's like some weird. Like that's like an alternate like world going from like Detroit, you know, with all that stuff. And people, I remember I, some article. And I was reading that you were interviewed. Someone I think you were talking about that one guy earlier, Bob Kravitz. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the article with him talking about how uh, all the the Pistons uh, fans and stuff like that. Like there's rumors of them maybe being armed or whatever on the streets and on the bus back, the bus ride back. Oh yeah, we had to. So we get out finally, um, and we're loading onto the bus, and literally they tell us to lay on the ground, and you heard the pop, 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 pop. 
pop, pop. I mean, I don't know if they were shooting at us. I don't know if they were setting off firecrackers. I don't know. My face was on the ground. Oh my! Just God. trying to drive to the airport. I mean, it was it, it was a, it was a war zone. I mean, one thing no one talks about is that year in the playoffs, the, the, we had a bomb threat, very credible bomb threat, and it got to the point where we're back up in Detroit. Someone calls in the bomb threat, and we're about to not play. And and like I said, it, it was the common theme was, do you know what Stern's going to do to us if we don't play? And uh, yeah. Every time I, I see how Silver has, has approached this league and given players the right to say something uh, about anything, I, I love it. You know, it, I think the league's in such better place now that he's in charge. Uh, also, yeah, like the whole, like, I guess like that whole night is like it's like it's like a complete like it pretty much changed everything how we look at the NBA now like it kind of like uh, I think around that time or the year after that or I think it's two years after that the whole dress code shenanigans. I was the same year. Yeah, yeah, I was the same year. Okay. Yeah, I mean that that was that was Stern's legacy was to take us from street to Main Street to Wall Street essentially, and he wanted that image and everything. And I mean, I. Like I, I went to a private, like a private Christian school. I wore khakis and a college shirt and a belt every day to school. Well, when I went to Colorado, I, I'd wear the same thing, and people would be like, "Do you have a presentation today? Like, why are you dressed up?" I'm like, "That's all I have. Like, this is like what I wear." Like that, like the whole dress code thing to me, that wasn't really much of an issue. I think more of the issue was it was just a lot of the players felt that it was just you know attacking culture, their culture. Let me uh, ask you so, a question about the yeah, fight as well, because uh, I really can only imagine, you know, I've been at a, at, at a bar where, you know, I've had my friends get in a fight or whatever, but I have never, I've been to boxing matches, you know, uh, where there's two people supposed to fight, but I have never, and I think most people have never witnessed something like that, where you are in front of thousands of people, some shit starts to go down, and next thing you know, it's complete mayhem. What was that like from your perspective? Like, where were you? Were you on the bench? Like, where were you? Like, what did you witness and how did you feel? So at that point when everything, we were up and I had, I think about six points and like six rebounds. And I looked up, there's like three minutes on the clock. And I'm like, man, I'm going to get back in there. I'm going to get a double-double. I'm going against Ben Wallace. He's the defensive player of the year. Like, I, I was just – I was super excited about that. And um, literally, um, I stand up to check in, and my back's turned at this point. And that's when the first foul, when Ron fouled, uh, when Ron fouled Ben Wallace happened. And then, you know, with all the skirmishes, everyone's pushing back off the court. Everyone stay off the court, so I'm going to suspend it. And honestly, when Ron laid down on the bleachers, I was like, this is amazing. You had Ben Wallace attack Ron Artest. Ron fouled him. Everybody, you can foul. It's, it's the NBA. You get fouled. But you had Ben attack Ron. We're, we've crushed them. We beat them in the ground. We've beaten them. I'm like, this is, this is amazing. And then I still remember seeing this cup. Like, like if you throw a cup, the, the – the, the way they made us describe it, we couldn't say beer, but it was 100% beer. But the, the <laughs> liquid, the, the liquid will fly out and the cup will like dissipate and fly off, you know? Yeah. This thing had like a centrifugal force going that kept everything in there. 
And the second it hit Ron's face, it it was like it, it's like getting hit in the face with a brick. Um, just blutes exploded everywhere. And I remember everyone kind of froze. And then you see Ron look in the crowd. And I looked up there and you see the dude that Ron ended up attacking who didn't throw it, but was standing next to the guy start there pointing and like, like, like jeering at Ron. <laughs> Ron goes after him. He thinks he's the one that threw the cup. The dude who threw it's next to him. Um, Ron gets that dude. Uh, but what got me was when Steven ran the crowd. Cause in my mind, I'm like, Ron's done. He's, he's, he's like, just suspended, but Steven, we can still save him. So I ran in the crowd and I was, I grabbed Steven Jackson. Um, I still remember I grabbed him and he was trying to like punch at me. And I'm like, Steven, it's me. Please don't hit me. Please don't hit me. It's me. And then I, I, I picked him off the ground. And then um, that kind of cooled down. And then I looked back on the court. And that's when a bunch of the player uh, fans just ran on the court and got after Ron again. And I, I really wish I would have been able to been, like, tracked athletically. I think I jumped from, like, the first row, like, over the scorer's table on the ground. And I ran over to try to help Ron again. And then eventually it was just me, Ron, and uh, Chuck Person standing at center court. And we're all standing there. And there's one way out. They call it the vomitorium. Uh, it's Latin. It's not to throw up. It's where everything, every, all the uh, people spew out like, like you vomit, essentially. But uh, we're walking out towards the vomitorium. And I'm lagging behind because everybody's throwing everything at Ron. I'm like, if I keep on walking this way, I'm going to get hit with crap. <laughs> so I'm lagging behind. Uh, but Chuck, I mean, you, you, Chuck literally tries to block the stuff from hitting Ron uh, and you're just, just trying to pull him out of there. Um, and then I, we get to the vomitorium and I'm trying to walk through. And uh, this fan throws a, dr a drink, uh, some more liquid, directly in Jermaine O'Neal's face. <laughs> And every security guard jumps to stop Jermaine. And there's just this gap that just opens up between me and this guy. And he looks at me and I look at him and I'm like, oh, no, in my, in my head. And I literally I say, don't do it. And he started reaching in his pockets. And I was just like, no, 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 don't do that. And then he kept on reaching. So I, I hit him. Um, and then someone threw a chair and that hit me in the head. That really hurt. <laughs> yeah that really hurt um and then um after that uh drag back to the locker room and there's just more chaos it was just the best way to describe it is chaos that's 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 literally what happened i wonder how calm it was after at the end of the locker room just quiet oh. <laughs> ron, ron was ron, ron was trying to talk uh he was trying to be apologetic. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, people just kind of really weren't trying to hear anything right then. And that's kind of, I mean, honestly, when, so he asked if he thinks that he's, we're going to get to, we're going to get fined. And I think Steven goes, fuck a fine, Ron. You better be lucky. We got a job. And then uh, Anthony Johnson looks at Ron and goes, Ron, I think we're going to get suspended. Like, like well, let's just get, let's just get down. We're going to get suspended. And Ron starts going like, oh, no, I don't want to be suspended. Not again. I don't want to be suspended. And that's when Jermaine lost it. He, 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 was, he, he, he just lost it. And he, 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 he just had enough. Um, I saw it on his face. He snapped. He was like, 
ah, like this guy really <laughs> seriously, like he just snapped. And uh, that's when him and Rick got into it. Like the coaches were trying to like break it up. And like Jermaine was like, you know, if we're fighting, either fight with us or get the hell out of our way. But he called them motherfuckers. Because you mother, you like you, you, you motherfuckers, you can fight with us and get out of the way. And Rick stands up and goes, "Don't call me a motherfucker." <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it was the funniest shit. Mike Brown gets in the middle of the two and goes, "Look, Jermaine, I got hit. I got hit in my lip right here." He put his lip out and like pointed to it, and <laughs> everybody started laughing. Like it was just like a moment of brevity for a second. And you know, like I said, it calmed back down, and then it got real again, and it got scary. And then, like I said, when we landed, all those pl- all those fans were there. That was amazing. You know, one of the things about Ron Artest, so he was actually my favorite player on the Chicago Bulls. He he was in that draft class with Elton Brand. And mm-hmm. so I was a little kid, and it was the first Bulls jersey I picked out for myself. I, I remember being at the sports store, and it was. Elton Brand or Ron Artest. Everyone had the Elton Brand jersey. I'm like, no, I like Ron Artest. That guy, that guy plays some defense. That guy is a dog. Like, he's my favorite player. And um, everyone thinks of the brawl. A lot of people think about the time, you know, he, like, elbowed uh, James Harden, Harden. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I feel like it's almost people forget that that guy was the best perimeter defender in the world. He was damn good, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was a generational talent. I mean, not just on defense. His offensive skills were amazing. Um, he, he was he was such a good player. I, I, I can't say my favorite teammate, uh, only because literally we played like s- 10 games together. But uh, we did get to play. We get to play summer league together in Minnesota. And uh, that was that was some of the best basketball I've played in the NBA was that summer league. Um, and Ron was a big part of that. He. Man, he kept me focused, kept me motivated, you know, kept me in the gym. I mean, he was a good teammate in regards of that. Um, but, yeah, Ron, like, Ron was Ron was a special guy, very special talent. He is. He's still alive. And, no, I guess he's not. He's Metal World Peace now. So, I guess we can talk about Ron Artest in the past tense. Yeah, the, the reincarnation. <laughs> and, and, honestly, he did reinvent himself. Um, and I was really happy to see that. I was really happy when I saw him do that interview after he won the championship. I, I mean, I, I, I was, I was happy for him. I, I think I was happiest for Rick when he won it in Dallas because we were supposed to win it that year in Indy. Um, and I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I was happy that Rick got his championship as well. Yeah. That's honestly one of the most satisfying, like, like everyone always talks about that championship run and, yeah, I mean, like, it was amazing. I mean, Rick Carlisle, all those years, I mean, with, uh, well, all those years, you know, coaching, obviously, around. And they, all those years coaching with Dallas, too. You know, and then, mm-hmm. like, Jay being there for a couple of years, too. Like, just really, like, a perfect storm season. Hold on. Sorry, I got a call coming in. <laughs> oh, yeah, no problem. <laughs> uh, obviously, in the middle of that season, I mean, like, you, you got, you obviously have so much more playing time after that uh and so what, what was that like i mean like because the team is like so like half like it's like you were mostly missing ron artest and steven jackson i mean they're oh we missed everyone i mean Re- <clears throat> reggie got suspended but reggie was out with a broken hand um we were injured all down the road i mean uh, we were so many injuries uh so the next night we literally had six players that could physically play 
but you have to legally dress eight. Um, So the next night we had two players that wouldn't have even dressed, but they could dress just so we could make the the quota. And that was, that was honestly my favorite game I've ever played in my life. And unfortunately we ended up losing, but for me, I was the last pick of the first round. I got to go against Dwight Howard, who was the first pick of the first round. And I think I had about 19 points. Uh, I don't remember my lines that night. I just remember playing like 47 minutes. <laughs> and, I, I, and I've never played that route of basketball in my life. Um, and we went to overtime. You know, I mean, it, it was it was such a great game. Um, it, another great fan moment after that game. I, I'm crushed that we lost. I thought we were going to win. And um, we get a standing ovation coming off the court. I um, mean, everybody out there played to their fullest. And that just showed you the power of that team. You know, we had our, our, our the end of the bench playing. And I think we even went out and we won about four out of the next six games with just those six <laughs> players. Uh, you Obviously, you, you just mentioned now that you were the, like the last pick of the first round. How much pressure is that coming into that? Because that's like a you're coming into a team that just lost in the conference finals. Uh, to like a team, that, I mean, like that has obviously championship aspirations. Obviously, it didn't work out with the whole what we were just talking about in the last 15 minutes. <laughs> but like that team was certainly good enough to win it all. But like, uh, how much pressure is that just joining into that kind of team? Because I, I think about that way too with when it comes to like Jimmy Butler, who was also came into the league to a team that had championship aspirations, but then then he had to become, you know, obviously he had to, he took years and years for him to become, you know, the player he is now, but mm-hmm. like just being that in the first day of training camp, that kind of stuff. Well, for me, I, so I was supposed to go way higher. That's what I was told. Um, I don't want to say the team, but they picked a kid named Robert Swift instead of me. And um, in, in my workout in Indy, I even said, I was like, man, if I'm on the draft board at this point, I'm probably about to kill myself. You know, I was like, there's no way that I should even be going this late. And uh, Larry Ludbeck started laughing. Even when he, when uh, the pit came up, he called me. He goes, are you still alive? And I was like, yes, yes, I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to play for your organization. Please stay. <laughs> and uh you know, he, he was he was a really good influence on me as well. Uh, I, we had a very similar playing style. We love to play very physical, and if other people like to get physical, we didn't shy away from being physical as well. But uh, the uh, but yeah, going into that team, I was excited because I felt that I'd be able to showcase myself more than the people that were picked early. You know, they they, they I'd get some burn. They get the same. We get similar burn, same amount of playing time. But my team's going to go deep in the playoffs. My team's going to go to the championship. My team's going to go to the finals. And I'm going to be able to be on that stage. And that was my mentality coming in. I found your stat line. For uh, that game? Yeah, yeah. It was it was a good game. Yeah, you played uh, 43 minutes, 8 of 15 from the field. Uh, eight boards, two steals, three blocks, 19 points. In Look at the, that. Uh, let's see how Dwight do against you. Oh, you shut down Dwight Howard, bro. You shut down <laughs> Dwight Howard. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, Dwight only had five points. He only got three shots up against you. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you probably weren't the only one guarding him, but it sounds like you, you got a, some major minutes. Uh, but yeah, he had a game of five and 11. So you, 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 you went out there and, 
in uh, Owen Dwight for the night. That's not bad at all. Oh, that was my goal. I was every guy that got drafted above me. I'm going to go at him as hard as I possibly could. Uh, kind of pissed I missed that many shots. Um, uh, oh well. Hey man, you don't even want to hear the stories about you know me and Hami in Winfield, Illinois, playing pickup ball. You want to hear about missed shots? You're looking at the poster <laughs> child. You know, I, I, I just got a driving dish. Hami's the shooter. <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, so. Yeah, uh, who was one player that you always looked forward to sharing the court with, you know, in terms of uh, on your team or against you or uh, anything? Yao Ming. I, I, that, I really enjoyed playing against him. Um, he was – he would sit there and just destroy you, and then he would, like, tell you how you could have done better. Um, <laughs> he took the Tim Duncan I mean, approach. Not like <clears> – <throat> Not in a demeaning way. Oh, Paul Gasol was like that as well. Like, but not in a demeaning way. Like he'd tell me, like, like when you face me up, go straight away. Stop, stop jab stepping and giving me time to recover and things like that. Like, I, I mean, he it was, it, it was really cool because I mean he's a Hall of Famer and just getting any type of positive feedback from guys like that was very, very, very like good for me. Like I, I thought. I mean, honestly, I I, I played basketball to. I love blocking shots. I love dunking it. I love, I mean, I, I love the physical part of it, but the, the finesse part, I was kind of just getting my hands around and I wasn't really comfortable with that side of my game. And, you know, when the other players like that could see that, yeah, you could do it. Um, it really was really assuring for me. That's really cool. Because Yao Ming is, I mean, I, I'm, that doesn't surprise me that he, he'd be that type of guy. Yeah, when I when I played in China, uh, we used to whoop his Shanghai Sharks all the time. He'd pull me after the game, and like he literally would be proud. He'd be pissed that they lost, but he'd be proud of me. You know, I mean, it was like I said, he's a really good man. Uh, so, but back to that uh, 05 season. Uh, there's this, obviously this very cool moment that happened. Uh, Reggie Miller, the standing ovation thing, um, and that whole. Larry Brown calling timeout, and you know, it was a very cool moment. You know, um, did you have any cool interactions with Reggie, like in practice or anything? <laughs> My name to Reggie was Fat Fucking Rookie. So, uh, oh wow, yeah, we didn't we didn't get along too well just because of the the way the league was. But when the best thing is, is when everyone was suspended and he realized that I have to do it. He was one of my biggest supporters. Um, he was he was one of my biggest supporters. He'd he'd always be like come to my side because he knows I I just set up a rocket screen. But I didn't realize if I get Reggie open, my guy's gonna run out to the three point line and try to guard Reggie too, and I'm just wide open under the rim. You know, like like just things like that. Uh, and the, he he was such a smart player. Like he would set so many picks because you set a screen, you get open. Um, but yeah, but before the before I actually played, I was just fat fucking rookie to him but <laughs> after the fact I, I still remember uh he's about to retire he has another year left and i go to him i go could you come back next year i go i promise i'll, I'll be better i'll be good I, i'm so sorry i pissed you off and he was I, he was just done at that point um i think the, the brawl took a lot out of him um it really did uh so playing uh in china 
did you ever feel like you had that? Because I, I feel like word gets around all the time in China or something like that. That you know, oh, this guy played in the NBA. There's always NBA players going in there. You feel like you had a target on your back? I was one of the first ones. Oh, really? When, when I when Very I went cool. to China, yeah, I was one of the first NBA players to do it. And then after me, there was this mass exodus rush there. And honestly, the the reason why it's European basketball isn't basketball. It, it, it's it's soccer mixed. I mean, it, you, there's no physical. There's nothing. The lane lines look ugly. Um, but the CBA was NBA basketball. They had a lot of big players. It was a physical game. And I felt that I could go there, play a few years, and make it back to the NBA. That was my goal. Um, that didn't happen that way. But, uh, but the uh, – yeah, I was one of the first ones. Um, and, but yeah, Target. I mean, you had to you had to perform. Uh, Ming Batir was there, and he was on a one of the better teams. And just going against him, everyone's like, "Oh, you should kill Ming." And I'm like, "Dude, Ming's like stronger than me. <laughs> like, I'm pretty strong. He's pretty good, and he did play in the NBA as well. So you know, it's not going to be like just a cakewalk. It's going to be you know, it's going to be kind of hard. But um, I ended up, yeah, yeah I think that's kind of a misconception because people always assume that it's like it's, they might be soft, but it's definitely not soft, especially like in like China. Oh, no. Uh, okay. Like I said, the Euro League is very soft, um, but the Chinese, Chinese basketball, they play very physical. Um, and, and as a center, I don't control the ball enough to control my destiny on, on offense, you know? So that was kind of the biggest uh, mitigating issue was just literally just getting the ball. But uh, luckily, I actually played with another guy from Nashville, Tennessee, a guy, a guy named Dante Jones. He played in the NBA, not the one that went to Duke. He went to Mississippi State, uh, but he played in the NBA. And uh, he, he was very helpful in the getting me the ball aspect. Uh, I have a couple questions here, just like a couple of my, this is at least on my end, my last questions here. Uh, so favorite cities to play in China doesn't have to be home or away. It could be anywhere. I'll say it in Chinese. Wo I Beijing. I, I love Beijing. Um, uh, that is the best city in that country, hands down. Maybe one of the best ones in the world. It's a beautiful place. Awesome. I mean, let's uh, go to Beijing. I yeah. love it there. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd love to go to China sometime. I'd love to go to China. Um, so, uh, oh, also, last one. It doesn't need to be in order, but uh, it could be overseas, NBA, whatever. Top five favorite stadiums to play in. Oh. So here locally in high school, I love playing Memorial at Vanderbilt Stadium. I love that place. In college, I love playing at Allen Fieldhouse only because of the energy and just it was I we never won there, but we were close a couple times and it was just a war every time. Uh NBA, uh I would say Madison Square Garden. I love the lighting there. It was okay. it was I, it was just something weird. I like the lighting. Most places you look up and there's a big bright light in your eyes when you shoot, but not in Madison Square Garden. It was a nice place there, or the old Oakland Stadium. I mean, the old uh, Warrior Stadium is very oh, similar. Oracle, Oracle, yeah. Um, and then in China, best place to play was my second team was Guangdong. Uh, they had pretty much professional, like NBA type facilities. Um, but yeah, no, it 
it's weird. You know, I wrote like I'm from I'm not from Indiana. I live in Indiana. Everyone like Hoosiers, and they're like, "Oh, the room's ten feet." Well, yeah, the room could be ten feet, but you know, the floor, not the color of the court, the color of the seats, the lighting that that stuff is very that stuff can affect your shot. It really can. Yeah. Uh, another thing we talked about before the call that I definitely want to get to uh, is we got about, you know, seven, 10 minutes left here uh, is the marijuana policy and how that's changed in the NBA. And uh, you had a very interesting story. It sounds like with a meeting with David Stern, let's, let's... it wasn't a meeting. Believe me, he'd never take a meeting from me, um, okay. but I, I wrote him an open letter based. So I got, put in the drug program on some bs um i it was, it was a, a, a technicality i didn't even have it in my system i was just around it and other people got in trouble and i was there and i got put in the drug program and it really really pissed me off and i said this i go i look through the list of banned substances i can take hgh which is cheating and you guys won't care but if i have marijuana in my system you're gonna you're gonna blackball me essentially and I, I mean, I literally, I, I took a childish stance about it. And I protested it by using the substance um, very blatantly and very openly. And it was, I mean, uh, the drug commissioner hated me. And this is how I know I was set up. I was literally suspended the same day that Barry Bonds was. It was like every league had to throw out somebody to get like under the, the goal. And I, I remember I'm in Phoenix. And uh, Donnie Walsh comes to me and he goes, what the fuck have you been doing? <laughs> it's like, oh, shit. Uh, and I told him, I go, Donnie, I've been smoking weed. This is all I've done. I don't know what else they think they said, because he, he thought that I got suspended for steroids because of when I got suspended. Oh. Um, and then um, he, he literally said, just weed? <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah. And so I, I'm literally up sitting at the airport. And I'm, I'm, I'm at the end of the bar. I'm trying to hide. And I have to report back to Indy and Sports Center. Done and up, done and up. Barry Bond suspended. David Harrison and all this other stuff. And this, these guys are like, what an idiot. That guy's such an idiot. And I look down the bar and like one of his little group like sees like, oh, my God, that guy's sitting right there. And he's trying to <laughs> shush the dude. And I'm just like staring down the bar and I'm like, oh, I'm thinking about just like punching this guy in the back of his head. But I, I go down there and I buy him a shot. And I, I was like, here you go from an idiot to you. And uh, I actually hopped on a plane and went to Los Angeles instead of Indiana and got in more trouble, which wasn't smart. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it, yeah. The drug policy today, I mean, it, I, I, I do, I have a consulting, I consult for so many hemp and marijuana companies. Um, people are almost billionaires off of it. Um, and what is it? 2008 and I got suspended. So, I mean, not even 12 years ago. I mean, it was a offense. I mean, it cost me my career. Um, I mean, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. All the fighting didn't help either, but, uh, at the same time, um, I'm, in my open letter, I, I said, I was like, you know, the prohibition of marijuana has never been about health, hasn't been based on science. It was actually initially based uh, for Nixon for a way to get at the hippies and everybody else that was protesting against them. That was the 75. Um, and when you look at the history of almost every drug law in this country, it's based on racism. 
Um, listen to the Senate floor debate, which is recorded about when they were trying to legalize cocaine back in like 1919, 1919 and 1918. Um, they said cocaine, when black people do it, it turns them into like super criminals and all this <laughs> other stuff. I mean, they just, the fear campaign. And then you look at what they did to people. You were caught with just a little bit of marijuana. People were getting 20, 30 years in prison. You know, I, I mean, it, the it, it, it's, it, it's disgusting to me that that our system does that to human beings and especially the youth. Um, and that, that's just how it, I, I felt like that my entire time, especially coming from Boulder. I, I, I've all, I was everyone's like, well, marijuana is legal here now. Every time people go there, I'm like, I always tell them marijuana was never illegal in Boulder. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's. But I, I, it's a brave new world. I'm very, very happy that the NBA has taken more and more relaxed stance on that substance. I mean, uh, there are substances people should not take. You know, cocaine is not good for basketball players. So what it does to your heart. Heroin's horrible for absolutely anybody. Um, but if you're going to allow someone to drink alcohol, which is one of the only substances, if you take quick cold turkey can kill you, and nicotine, which is more addictive than heroin, I don't understand how marijuana I, – I do understand how marijuana got there. I just don't understand why people can't open their eyes and see how, how that whole story developed and how, how it was playing out. And, you know, as a, as a player, I felt that, you know, my silence was advocating that, that injustice. I mean, I, I almost want to call it a genocide. Um, you know, I mean, that, that is ruined people's lives. It's, it's taken people from being able to be productive members of societies and turn them into criminals. Um, everybody has said, what, what was the worst thing ever happened to you because of marijuana? I said, nothing happened to me bad because of marijuana. Everything happened to me bad because of the law. There's, like, I've never gotten high and tried to kill anybody. or You know what I mean? Like, there's been nothing like, like, like that. It's just the law and how it's been put in practice. Um, and I mean, it, it's at the end of the day, you know, we're a country of laws. And when the law has been written that you have to follow, I think Steve Jobs said it in his commencement speech in uh, 2004 to Stanford. He was like, challenge and question everything. And I did that. And when I questioned and I challenged that, I just found more hypocrisy, more, more everything. And I got, it, it made me angry. Um, now I physically, I really don't care. I wish I would have just shut my mouth and played basketball. But <laughs> at the time I was very passionate. I was younger. Uh, I didn't have any kids. Um, I, I was just, I, I was hoping for a change in society. Um, and I, like I said, I think we're getting there. Yeah, we're definitely heading the right direction. And, uh, I, I do think that the, it makes more sense right now. I couldn't agree more with what you're saying about, you know, you can take HGH and not be tested and that marijuana is somehow a banned substance, something that comes naturally from the earth that yeah. has medicinal <laughs> properties and stress yeah. relief properties. And these guys in the NBA, you know, it is, it's show business. It's the insane pressure of playing every night in front of thousands of people uh, being, having your mistake. You know, I was in local news for a long time and I remember the feeling of making a mistake on television and mm -hmm. that's intense. You know, oh, now it's social media. I mean, like, like uh, the kid Edwards that dunked on that player just ended him. I mean, 
in in my that dunk would have been seen probably 20 times 30 times max you know everyone's trying to catch it on sports center because it used to run all day now that thing was probably played a billion times you know <laughs> like that one moment uh the the guy who vince carter jumped over he ended up having like a huge drinking problem because of because of that yeah i mean that can uh it's humiliating man <laughs> Sometimes it's okay to relax. Sometimes it's okay to unwind. And uh, there are much uh, bigger fish to fry, I would say. Uh, unfortunately, that's all the time we got today, Dave. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we would absolutely love to have you uh, back on sometime. Do you, do you like uh, any sports trivia? <laughs> uh I'm better. I'll be better at like U.S. history or Roman history or Chinese history trivia. Okay. We, we, we I mean, I, cater to you. We'll usually cater to whoever the contestants' interests are. So. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, uh, yeah, maybe we get you and uh, our mutual friend Josh on against each other. <laughs> oh, man. For, oh, different oh, Josh, God. Tommy. Different Josh. Oh, oh Josh. Okay, is, okay. Cool. cool. Strong, okay. Josh okay. Strongwater yeah. is, uh, he, he, he knows his sports, that's for sure. That's um, what he said. But does he yeah. know his Chinese history? Maybe we'll get you, oh, no. you know, the Chinese no, history. No, 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 okay. No, no, no. Josh, when, I, when we were playing over there, I'd be like, "Hey, Josh, come over." He's like, "No, no, 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 no. I'm never. I'm not going to get on that plane ride. No, no, no. It's too long of a plane ride. No, no, no." <laughs> well, uh, yeah, maybe we'll see what we can do. Uh, we'll be in touch, man, and we'd love to have you back on sometime. Thank you very much. Oh, thank y'all for having me on. It's fun. Awesome. Well, uh, and thank you everyone for listening to the Hoopstradamus podcast. Shout out to Evan Buttress, our graphic designer. You can check him out on the Instagram at the Wax Cowboy if you're looking to get some work done. And uh, as always, you know, give us a like on Apple Podcasts that helps us get the ball rolling. And uh, you know, thank you for listening. We love you. Peace, love, and hoops, guys. We'll see you next time.